Okay. Um, are you ready to study the scriptures? Yes or no? Say yes. yes. All right, good. Uh, then let's do it. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but um, I've had some bad days in my lifetime. In 43 years of living, I've had quite a few really bad days. Am I alone in this? No, three of you have. Yeah, uh, bad days are just part of our normal everyday existence. I mean, it just happens. Now, most people don't have a record of uh, some of their bad days. I I actually have photo uh, proof of one of my really bad days, and I just thought that maybe I would share it with you here today. This this is one of my bad days. Now, some of you have seen this picture before, and you maybe have heard me talk about it a little bit, but I don't think I've ever really told you the story. So this is a part of a Christmas show that we had at the church that we came from in Colorado. Now, outside of the crowd, the the people sitting out in front of me in this particular setting, that is me, yes, in the crab suit. Uh, All the people sitting out, there's about three or 4,000 people sitting out watching what's, what's taking place here. So, so it's bad enough, like I'm in this crab suit. Now, I don't know why uh, the guy behind the big claw over there, that's Rob Stennett. He's up in Austin currently. And so you can ask him, why did we have a crab in the Christmas program? He won't have an answer for you, but you can ask him. And so I sang the song, Under the Sea, in the Christmas program. I was the Christmas crab. Now, I don't want to get into the details of getting into that costume with the white tights that I had to wear and the room that I had to go in with the seamstresses, and it's just awkwardness all the way around. But I would get dressed uh, and and go out for this part of the show, and I sang. So the first night, I stepped out, 4,000 people, and I sang. I had a mic similar to this, and I sang Under the Sea. And we danced around, and it was very nice. Now, we had a little bit of a problem with the mic, though, because as you can see, I'm kind of closed in. And so uh, Pastor Ross... Your lead pastor, my older brother, he said, Brent, it wasn't great. We need to fix it. So I want you to go before tomorrow night. I want you to go, and I want you to record the song in the studio. Go into the studio and do it, and we'll just play your voice uh, tomorrow night at the show. And I said, Ross, that's a bad idea. Ross, that's not going to work. There are so many things that could go wrong with this, Ross. I don't call him Pastor Ross. Ross, there's so many things. You should call him Pastor Ross. There's so many things that could go wrong with this. And he said, no, Brent you're going to do it. Now, he's my older brother, and so I have to honor that. He was also my boss there, so I have always had to honor that. So the next day, I went into the studio, I recorded the song, I came back that night, and we prepared. Now, we're singing with a full orchestra live. We've got live instrumentation with the band, plus the orchestra, plus me. And so the time comes for me, the Christmas crab, to come out and sing my song, and the person at the audio booth, booth hits the wrong preset. And so all the mics switch, and everything goes crazy. So my voice starts singing without the music. And the band starts coming in, and the orchestra is coming in, but we're completely off. So my voice is over here, the band is playing over here, and I'm standing in front of 4,000 people, (laughs) pretending like I'm having the best time ever. Now, in my ears, I have in-ear monitors, and so I could could have heard my voice, although at this point I couldn't hear my voice. I was just listening to what was out there through the foam to see if I could mouth along with the words while the orchestra is off time with me. So what could I hear, though, in my earphones? I could hear the sound technician. I could hear the hosts. I could hear a whole host of people, actually, in my ears backstage saying, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. This This is what I'm listening to while I'm doing this. (laughs) I'm listening to, oh, he's going to be so mad. This is a disaster. What a tragedy. Oh, he's going to be so furious. And I was. 
I finished my song. Because all the people out there are thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And so I finished, and I stormed off the stage. And if you can imagine me in that costume storming off the stage. John and Rob, they were off to the side by the exit door behind stage. It was one of those crash bars. And I walked through, and they said, hey, man, it really wasn't that bad. I just heard what you said in my ears. You were saying it was terrible. And so I took my big claws, and I crashed through the door, and I walked away. (laughs) Pastor Ross came, found me backstage, and said, hey, man, look. And I said, don't. Just don't. And he started to try to talk me uh, into feeling better, although the next song started playing, which he was supposed to be singing, and he wasn't out on stage. He was talking to me. So it was a real good Christmas show all around. Merry Christmas, everybody. It was a bad day. It's kind of funny, not to me, I'm still scarred. It's kind of funny to talk about days like that. And when you have a bad day, though, it's not quite as funny, right? And bad days oftentimes stretch into bad weeks. They stretch into bad months. They stretch into bad years. Some of you feel like you've been living in that for a long time. We're in this series of messages, and we're calling it, I Will Survive, How to Make It Through a Bad Day. And we're talking about this because we all have them. Recent studies of working Americans say that we usually have, on average, we'll have about two months of bad days per year. The average working American has about 60 days, 60 days that are bad every year. Some of you are like, oh, bro, way more than that. And it, and it ranges in why we have those, right? Some of those are just because stuff happens at work or with your boss. And some people said, my shower water wasn't warm in the morning and it was just the worst day. I need a little help. But here's what happens. Those bad days, they kind of fester if we just leave them unchecked. In fact, it's been, been recently reported from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control Prevention that suicides are up sharply since 1999. Suicide rates rose in all but one state and are up at least 30% in over half of the states in our nation. Nearly 45,000 suicides occurred in the U.S. in the year 2016, which was more than twice the number of homicides in that year. Among people ages 15 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death. And many of us have seen where public figures or celebrities like Anthony Bourdain recently and others They take their lives, and so this discussion, this depression, these bad days, it becomes a part of our public consciousness. And I think it's important, everybody, that we don't minimize the things, the seriousness of the struggles that we're facing. But as believers in Jesus, it's also important that we don't just give in to them. So what do we do if we're going to have a bad day like this? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, in the message version, the author says, here's what you do. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Jesus did life just like you did. He started it, he finished it, and he says, study how he did it. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside of God. I think sometimes when you read through the scripture and you read about heroes of faith, you read about David and Paul and Peter and all these all these guys and, and women, you read through and you go, oh man, they, were, they had it so good. Like God was on their side and blessed everything that they did and it was easy for them. Go back and read it again. 
they had lots of bad days just like you do, and many times worse than the days that we had. Or we'll read about Jesus, and he's the perfect one. And so what we'll start thinking is, if we're not careful, well, nobody understands me. Nobody gets what I'm going through. You can't help me because you don't understand. I'm alone in my island of depression having a bad day. Listen, everybody, that's not true. Jesus understands everything that you've been going through. Listen, Jesus had the worst day ever. He had the absolute worst day ever. And the author of Hebrews is saying, we need to study what he did. There's no greater authority on this subject today than Jesus Christ himself, as you will find with every subject. So let's talk about some of what he did. Because I think what happens, some of our worst days actually come when we're hurt by other people. Would you agree? Some of our worst days come when we're hurt, wounded, when we're taken advantage of by somebody that we know or love and trust. And Jesus knew all about this too. Because as Jesus was lifted up on the cross, no sooner did he get up than he said in Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. His first response was forgiveness. And Jesus experienced the most horrific 12 hours that you could imagine. And even in that short time, he faced many of the things that you and I face today. He faced betrayal. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends who he had worked with and done ministry with. For 30 pieces of silver, he was betrayed and handed over. Some of you know what that's like because you've been betrayed by a friend, a family member, a coworker. Jesus experienced false accusation where the authorities were claiming things about Jesus that simply weren't true or accurate. Many of us today, we know what that's like to have somebody say something about us that isn't true or isn't accurate and have people believe them as others have spread lies about you. He experienced rejection. I mean, think about what he went through. His followers and friends, his friends all ran away. They ran away from him and left him. Nobody came to Jesus' defense, not even Peter, James, or John. They all took off. Oh, it seemed like he, Peter was going to stick around as he started fighting, but no, he took off along with everybody else and eventually denied that he even knew him. Some of you right now feel like that. You've been rejected by people, and it's led to depression, really dark and hard places in your life. I get that. Jesus experienced abuse, horrible, physical, emotional mental abuse and trauma as he was mocked and tortured and tormented in fact isaiah 52 says but many were amazed when they saw him his face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human and from his appearance one would scarcely know that he was a man some of you have lived and survived through emotional verbal and even physical abuse and you're here today jesus experienced humiliation he hung on that cross completely naked because the Romans, they didn't just want you to have pain. They wanted you to be humiliated in front of people. And some of you have experienced that kind of humiliation and embarrassment for things that you've done. So Jesus, he suffers through the worst day imaginable. Why? Because in Hebrews 2, it says that's why he, Jesus, had to enter into, he had to enter into every detail of human life. He had to enter into every part of it. Then when he came before God as our high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. He's been through it, and he can help you if you'll turn to him. The issue is, is that when things go south, we tend to turn and run away rather than turning and running towards. 
We get mad at him. We get upset at him and say, why didn't you? Why aren't you? And little do you know, he's right there going, I'm right here waiting. And we storm off in the other direction and go, why is God so unjust and unfaithful? You turned around. He is able. He's been through it all, and he's able, and he will help you. So listen, stop saying nobody gets me. Just stop saying it. Stop saying, uh, stop believing that no one can help me through what I'm going through. Jesus can handle every offense that you will ever receive. He's been through it, and he can help you. And Jesus, the first thing he does when he suffers at their hands is he says, Father, forgive them. And that's the first thing that he wants us to do as well. Isn't that good? (laughs) You're not convinced yet. I'm not either. That's the first thing we need to do, but it's the last thing that we want to do. Isn't it? That's the last thing that I want to do when I'm wounded. And in reality, you're not alone in that. Because as you look through the scriptures, Peter, he didn't want to do that either. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Like seven times. Jesus, do you hear what I'm saying? Seven, that's like once a week. I mean, who is such a good Christian as that? I'm willing to go seven times, once a day, Jesus. I mean, surely you're impressed with that, Jesus. Because I know so John the Beloved, he's probably not looking so hot right, right now, right? Because it's me. I got seven times, right? And Jesus says, he goes, no, I tell you, not seven, but 77 times. And you can see Peter's head kind of spinning. Oh, that's a lot of times. 77 times, or, or another translation actually says 70 times seven so you can see Peter kind of thinking, okay, uh, 77 times. Uh, that's a lot, Jesus. Okay, but, 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 but I, I, I can work on it. Or, or maybe he's saying uh, 490 times. Okay, uh, now that's going to be a challenge, Jesus, 490 times. All right, Jesus, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to do 490 times, but you better believe that 491st time, you're dead to me. 491, it's over. We're not friends. We're done. That's probably what Peter is thinking here. But is that what Jesus is saying? Now, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, you must keep on forgiving. That's what you do. You keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is part of your predisposition as a follower of Jesus. It's just who I am. I have the love and forgiveness of Jesus inside of me. So when I'm wounded, when I'm hurt, when somebody does something wrong to me, forgiveness flows out of me to them. I've already decided that's the kind of person that I'm going to be. And listen, this is important because this is central to your own forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, in the message version, in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. If you refuse to forgive, You cut yourself off from God's forgiveness. Now, it just makes sense. If I'm deciding that I'm going to limit the love of Jesus by not forgiving somebody that's hurt me, then I'm stopping the flow of forgiveness in my life. I'm stopping what Jesus wants to do. If I can't have that forgiveness flow out of me, then it stops here, and I don't get it. I cut myself off. You have to forgive to be forgiven. I want to say that again. You have to forgive to be forgiven. This is a prerequisite for us. But doesn't it just seem like there are people out there who are gifted at making you have the worst day ever? Like there's just people out there that you wonder, dude, are you like at night writing in your journal ways to hurt me? 
ways to make me feel bad at work? Like, is this your part-time job in life? People that you don't get along with, you just don't like, that don't like you. And Jesus knew that this would be an issue for all of us. He knew it. That's why he said in Matthew 6, he taught us to pray, and he taught us to include this in our prayers. So he said, when you pray, pray this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And you're with it so far. Like, yeah, I can do that. Oh God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me bread today. I want the bread. Give me the bread. I need the bread. I like praying that. But Jesus said, and also when you pray. Whenever you pray, pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive other people as I am being forgiven. I forgive. What's he saying? You guys better get used to this. You need to pray this way because you got to get used to this. It's going to happen. This needs to be a part of your daily routine. It's got to become who you are because even if you try to avoid it and live your best life possible, people are still going to offend and wound and hurt you. It's going to happen you can't stop it. But we don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with that. I, I, just, I would rather medicate myself. I'd rather watch hours of Netflix and just not think about it. I'd rather scroll through my phone endlessly. <laughs> wow, who does that? I'd rather scroll through my phone endlessly and just not think about it. Or some of you are stuffers. You just want to, I'll just stuff it down. Or others of you just think, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man. I'm a man. It doesn't hurt me. I just, pff, I take a punch. I just keep going. Or I'm a woman, I just, I just keep going. And that's equal opportunity. I'm tough. They don't hurt me. They can't hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, yes, they will. And they do. No matter how much you try to deny it, you're wounded. And it's good for you to pause and open up and allow Jesus to touch that wound and help you. Because if you don't, you only hurt yourself. You've heard me say it lots of times before probably, but I think that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what you're doing. You ready for this? Oh, you feel that? Oh, yeah, that hurts, doesn't it? Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> you know, you feel it, right? Is that stupid? You better say it's stupid. It's stupid. Yes, it's stupid. Yes, Brent, you're being stupid. Yeah, and so is holding on to that unforgiveness. It's like drinking the poison and waiting for the other person to die, and nothing's happening for them. I think one of the reasons that we don't want to do this is because we don't understand what forgiveness really is. We think that it's weakness. We think that it's just, I'm just, it's just a way for me to lay over, and they can do whatever they want. That's not what this is. Forgiveness is not excusing the wrong that somebody's done. Forgiveness is not denying the punishment for the wrong that they've done. That's not what it is. And some of you think that's what it is. You don't have to. Listen, you were hurt. You were wounded. It's okay to admit that. You need to admit that. Forgiveness is not requiring the forgiver to become a doormat or a martyr. You don't have to be a doormat. You don't have to let people walk all over you for you to forgive. Forgiveness is not based on fairness or, I'm sorry, but it's not based on apologies either. People don't have to apologize for you to be able to forgive because you can't control that. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is also not automatic trust with another person. So, oh, automatically I got to jump back into this relationship with them. No, you do not to be able to forgive. 
Here's what forgiveness is. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make. Forgiveness is an act of faith toward God. It allows for God to determine the response, and you don't have to. Forgiveness is a dismissal of the debt that releases your resentment. It's a dismissal. There's a debt. There's a something needs to be paid here, but I'm not going to pay it. I release it to Jesus. Forgiveness is yielding your right to exact punishment for the injustice that was done to you. Forgiveness is transferring the penalty and the determination of the sentence into God's hands. You don't have to do it. And if you could do it, forgiveness is a doorway to future reconciliation, and it's beautiful. Here's the bad news. Forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with the other person. Absolutely nothing to do with them. It's between you and God as an act of faith. And everybody, it is possible with God. So how do we do it? How do you survive a bad day when somebody hurts you? As we round the corner here and start to close, I want to just give you a few practical things. Just, just a few practical things to help you on the road that I can guarantee if you'll start to do this, Jesus will lift you out of that pit and help you process through what's happened to you. So here, this is what I want you to write down in your notes. Make the decision to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Easier said than done. Make the decision. I'm going to forgive everyone that's trying to ruin my life. You just have to decide. You just have to choose to let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. I have two young daughters, and so it got, it's in my DNA now. I can't do anything about it. Let it go, because here's the truth. If you don't let it go, it will destroy you. It absolutely will destroy you. It'll destroy your relationship with Jesus. It'll destroy your relationship with other people around you that you love. And it will limit the kind of growth that you can do in community. When we talk about forgiveness, I think we talk about a few different ideas. And we're not exactly sure how they all work. And it's one of the reasons why I think we stop short, because we get confused. But when I talk about forgiveness, I think about three ideas. I think about forgiveness. I think about reconciliation. And I think about restoration. Forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. Forgiveness is just that decision that you're going to make. I am going to choose, with the help of Jesus, to forgive this person. But the healing that you're going to go through is going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. It's going to take time. It's going to be difficult. And by the way, it's okay that it's hard and difficult and it takes time. It's a journey worth going on. And I think Jesus smiles at us when we decide to take the journey. It's funny, isn't it? Because Jesus' forgiveness for us is immediate. God, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. Boom, we're forgiven. We take a little longer. It takes a little longer for me to release somebody that's hurt me. But here's the truth. The reality is every one of us are required to forgive. To have the predisposition towards forgiveness. That's forgiveness. But then if you make it through the forgiveness, if you start the process of forgiveness, now you can open yourself up to reconciliation. Reconciliation means that we're going to say the same thing. You and the person that you hurt, that you hurt or they hurt you, you come together and you agree, yes, we think this is actually what happened. You reconcile. You start saying the same things. And it opens the doors for changed behavior and, and relationship to come back into fruition. All that can happen. It's like, you know, Back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to write a lot of checks. I don't, I don't know the last time I wrote a check. 
but you write checks, and then you have this, like a, what did you call it? Yeah, a ledger. There's a ledger. I was good at it. You had a, you had this ledger where you'd write stuff down. And so you'd get your bank statement, and you'd have your ledger, and you'd compare them, right? And you'd come all the way down, and you'd see if you had everything, and then the numbers would match up, or they didn't. If they didn't match up, well, something was off, and that was usually the case for me. But if they matched up, what did we call that? You reconciled it. It was reconciled. It said the same thing. It's the same thing that happens in your relationships. You can reconcile with somebody and participate in the healing process with the other person if they're willing. Reconciliation is not negotiation. It's not saying, well, you need to, and I will. It's not saying that. Reconciliation is the simple process of participating in healing. It takes patience. It takes listening. And it's our calling. It's what we're supposed to do. Jesus gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling everything and everyone with him, but also reconciling with one another in him. It's the ministry that you're called to. But if you can do it, if you can get to forgiveness, and then you can get to reconciliation where you're saying the same thing, now you've opened yourself up for the possibility of restoration. You can be restored to a relationship. It may not look the same that it used to, it may be different. When you restore a car or you restore a house, it's the same car, but it has new parts. It looks a little different than it did before, but it's been restored. It's made new. A little bit different, but new. And this is the opportunity that we have to be restored to one another after forgiveness and reconciliation. And it takes time. And listen, in some cases, it may not be an option. You don't have to just automatically jump back into a trusted relationship with someone that's hurt you that may not have done the work and may still not be trustworthy. Restoration doesn't have to happen. It is an opportunity. It's the goal. It's what we're hoping happens. It's what we're aiming for. But don't go too quickly. But we do have to forgive. Reconciliation is our call. And we're hoping and praying for the miracle of restoration eventually. And those are three good things to realize. But what you have to walk away with today is, I'm choosing to always forgive. And I'm headed that way. Here, you can write this down in your notes. Please remember today that forgiveness is your decision. It's your decision. That reconciliation is your calling. And that restoration is a miracle that is always possible. Forgiveness is a decision. Reconciliation is our calling. And restoration is a miracle that's always possible. So let's wrap this up with just a few practical things for today. The example that Jesus gave us, when you have this kind of a bad day, number one is to pray for those who hurt you. Oh, that's fun. Because some of you are now thinking, yeah, now we're talking. This I can do. Okay, get him, Jesus. I want suffering. I want them to go bankrupt. I want boils on their skin. I want their skin to fall off. I want, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about actually praying for them. Matthew chapter 5, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who cause you trouble. That means you actually really pray for them. That means you really forgive them. That means you're actually asking God to do a work in their lives. And you're saying, but, I, but I'm, listen, Brent, I'm not going to do that because I'm not willing to forgive them. So I don't know about you, Brent, but I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not willing to say, oh, I forgive them today, Jesus, because in my heart, I don't forgive them. But you're missing the point. 
I don't want you to lie, and I don't think you're lying. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. You're not a hypocrite. When you say, God, I forgive them, will you minister life to them? When you pray for them and you offer forgiveness, you're not a hypocrite. You're praying in faith. You're making a confession. I forgive so-and-so. Not that dirty so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so for what they've done to me. You're confessing. This is the direction that I'm going. And then tomorrow, you know what you do? I pray for so-and-so. God, I, f- I, f- I f- forgive them. And then the next day, I forgive them. And the next day, I forgive them. The next day, I forgive them. And the next day, I forgive them. The next day, I forgive them. And you start to find freedom because your right actions are bringing the right emotions and the Spirit of God is helping you do it. This is the point. Well, do it or don't do it. It doesn't matter. I mean, clap or don't. It's fine. Just I'll clap for it. It was good. Oh, that's embarrassing. Listen, the person that you pray for might never change. But I promise you, if you pray for them like that, it will change you. It'll absolutely transform you because you can't continue to hate somebody that you're continuing to pray for. You just can't do it. Second thing, Jesus takes it up another level. It's not enough that you just pray for them. He says, now I want you to bless those who hurt you. Oh, goody. Luke chapter 6. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That word bless, it means to speak well of. It literally means I'm not going to let a curse come out of my mouth. I'm not going to let anything come out of my mouth, privately or publicly. When I'm alone with somebody, my best friend over coffee, or my spouse, or whatever, I'm not going to let that come out, and I'm not going to say anything publicly from the platform, thank God. I'm not going to do that. In fact, texting doesn't count either. That's not allowed. In fact, all the way down to your thoughts and the way that you think and process about them, I'm not going to curse them there either. Some of you wake up in the morning, and all you can think about is how they've done you wrong. And you're just mad and angry and upset. And as you're getting ready in the morning, you're brushing your teeth. You're just thinking, oh, if I could just see them today. Oh, here's what I would say. Oh, it'd be so good. I would make them suffer, right? I don't know why you're getting so spastic, but you're getting all worked up about it. Oh, I'm going to tell them I'm going to get them so good. And that's how you start your mornings. Just your thoughts just rolling about how you're going to destroy those people. Jesus says, don't do that. Bless them. Let your thoughts be good about them. And sometimes the best thoughts you can think are, just don't think about it. (laughs) Bless those who hurt you. Uh, Paul, Paul said it this way in Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And then in Romans, the last thing, it goes even further. Don't just pray for those who hurt you. Don't just bless those who hurt you. But do good to the ones who hurt you. Oh, man, it's just the worst. I'm not just going to pray for them. I'm going to look for ways to do good. Romans 12, 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. Don't get too hung up on that. Oh, goody, no. It just means that it's the Lord's responsibility, not yours. It is his to avenge. He will repay. And guess what? He's just and loving. It'll be right. 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Yes, there it is again. Burn, baby, burn. That's what I could do. Now, there's different ways that people have translated this. But as I understand it, you know, cooking back then, it was difficult in those days. Uh, Stoves are weird. You don't have matches. And so having fire is precious. If you have fire, then you can cook and you can clean. If you have fire, you can live. If you don't, you're in trouble. So a hot commodity, see what I did there? Hot commodity is to have coals, no, you didn't, is to have hot burning coals in your house. And so if you take those burning coals and you deliver them and you heap them over on them, now they can live, now they can cook. Now you've taken something that you have and you've given it to them for their good because they were in need of it. That's what Paul is saying here. Take burning coals and heap them on them. Help them. Do good to them. Make their life better. When I was in junior high school, I had a bully. He was mean. And he was like stereotypical. He wore like ripped jeans. He wore like black chucks, black converse. He wore like ratty t-shirts and a camouflage jacket. Like does it get any better than that? And like fingerless leather gloves. I mean, the classic quintessential bully. I'm like, did you come out of a movie script? And this guy, he was me. He had long, stringy hair, and he would pick on me, and he would get other people to point and laugh at me, and he just was mean, all the time mean. Whenever I saw him, I would want to hide. I'd want to go run and cower somewhere because he made my junior high existence, which people, it's already bad enough. It's terrible, and he only makes it worse. So one day, I was leaving the school. I was walking out the door, and it was a kind of a long hallway, And I heard somebody behind me, and I looked, and it was him, and there's nobody else around. And I thought, oh, man, here we go again. And I was walking out, and I started walking a little faster. (laughs) And I walked, and I got to the door, and I opened the door, and something stopped me. Probably the Holy Spirit, probably my parents' training somewhat. And I stopped, and I just stood there, and I just held the door open for him. I don't even know why I did it. I just held the door open for him so he could exit. And he was walking up, and he said, you're going to hold the door open for me? He knew. You're going to hold the door open for me? And I said, yes, I am. Don't hurt me. (laughs) And he said, thank you. And he walked through the door, and he never bothered me again. Never said another word. Listen, when you do good to those who have hurt you, They don't know how to respond. They don't know how to, it just transforms everything. When you take the road of humility and you give them something for their good, here's what it says at the end of this chapter in Romans 12, 21, the end of this passage. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. Listen, what if forgiveness wasn't a weak and wimpy and pansy way of dealing with people that hurt you? What if it wasn't about weakness and laying down? What if instead forgiveness was about strength? What if instead it wasn't just weakness? In fact, forgiveness is not for the weak. You have to be strong in Jesus to be able to forgive. Forgiveness is not a wimpy way to be nice to people and try to keep the peace. Forgiveness is a supernatural gift from God to overcome sin and defeat evil. It's what he does, it's what he has done, and it's what he's calling you to do. It's an amazing and powerful gift that we have. 
It's the way that Jesus taught us to reject evil screams, schemes or violations that were projected onto us. It's the way for us to live in freedom. And everybody, free people are dangerous people. And that's who we're called to be. It's the best way to keep darkness and bitterness from poisoning your heart. That's what Jesus has done for you. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? If you would, I just want you to take a second and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because probably, probably across the room, there are people here today that are living with unforgiveness in their hearts. You're just, you've been living with it for a long time. In fact, probably some of us who've been serving Jesus for a long time, and we just kind of stuffed it down and said, no, I got it together, it's fine. But really deep down in there, there's stuff that we haven't dealt with. Man, I want to be a part of a church where forgiveness flows freely, where offenses can't last, where reconciliation and restoration happen on the regular. And that only happens if you and I decide we're going to submit to this process. Now, probably there are those of us today that are dealing with this, and we've stopped the flow of forgiveness in our hearts. We've stopped the flow of forgiveness in our lives because we've cut it off for somebody else. Yep, they're deserving of what we've given them. they done us wrong. They did bad. That doesn't matter. How many times have I disappointed and hurt and wounded Jesus and done the wrong thing of what he wanted me to do? How many times have I done that? And yet there he is with forgiveness and healing waiting for me. Today is a new day for you, and you can unblock that forgiveness and let the love and forgiveness and healing of Jesus flow through you, forgiving you first. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many of you would be honest and courageous just with me to say, Brent, that's me, and I'd like you to pray for me. I need forgiveness today because I need it to flow through me and flow into other people. Thank you for that. Who else wants to join us? Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Yeah, all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? I need to be forgiven today. I need to start again. I need forgiveness to wash me. I need forgiveness to flow through me. I need the power of God to be able to forgive these people because it's hard. Who else today wants to join us in this prayer? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. And I just want you all, please, would you just pray this prayer with all of us who are in need today? And I want you to pray it in faith. Repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, come on, say it strong. Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I've been holding on. I've been blocking forgiveness in me. Today, I want it to flow freely. So today, I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me of my sin. Make me brand new. Restore me to relationship with you and show me how to allow your forgiveness to flow through me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I forgive that person. Come on, say it in faith. In fact, just say their name. I forgive so-and-so. You just whisper it under your breath. Come on, say it again. I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them. 
And I ask you to give me the strength. Come on, pray it out loud. I ask you to give me the strength to live the way you've called me to. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration. Thank you for starting with me. In Jesus' name.